This is The Next Level, a Packet Bushers community channel show where real network professionals charge into difficult IT management situations, lead from the front, and get it right. Join us as we ask the hard questions that most people are too afraid to ask and figure out how to drive the positive change you want to see. We'll take you from the CLI to CIO. There are many pop culture references to the phrase Army of One, from the Coldplay song, the United States Army recruitment slogan, to Clint Eastwood and the outlaw Josie Wales. But mainly what me being by an Army of One is an outstanding individual with the dedication and the grit to stick to their beliefs fortitude to hold the line in the face of overwhelming odds, and the skills to get the job done. Whether it's the size of an organization or an overwhelming situation we find ourselves in, we've all felt like an army of one at one time or another. Right now, we join forces to talk about the unsung hero of IT, the army of one. And joining us today, we've got several guests to talk about the IT army of one. First is Brian Harrington, IT manager and podcaster. Brian, could you just introduce yourself and give us a touch of your technical and career background? Sure. I'm Brian Harrington. I'm the uh, IT director and marketing manager of a firm called Conveyor and Caster Equipment for Industry. I also host two podcasts, uh, Literally Figuratively Speaking and the CLE Cast. I'm, we, we run a network here that's a VMware environment, and I'm responsible for infrastructure right down to desktop support. Also joining us today is Jim Whalen, an experienced network administrator. Jim, would you please introduce yourself and tell the audience a bit about your technical and career background? You bet. Glad to be with you guys today. My name is Jim Whalen. I work for a company called Promethean Software Services. Basically an EDI department, or EDI department, I guess you could say, for all our clients. What my background started with was in back in the late 90s, I started, I actually changed careers. So I'm kind of, uh, I don't know what you would call me. I'm, I'm, new, I'm not new to it, but... It was my second career, this, this bit of fun. So I, I'm the, uh, my, my title is the Senior Network Engineer. I handle the entire IT structure. I'm the database manager. We are a VMware and 3 power environment, and I take care of everything head to toe. All right. Thanks, Jim. And also to keep it interesting, we've got Jim Kennedy, a system engineer and security <laughs> champion on the show today. Jim, can you also introduce yourself and give us a little bit about your technical background? Sure. So I'm a system engineer for a medium-sized school district in Elyria, the Elyria City Schools. About 3,000 desktops, a couple thousand Chromebooks, and a smattering of Nexuses. You know, we certainly have desktop support here, but I'm the primary security guy and the primary server guy and do get a little bit of network help. I'm a pa- very passionate about security. It's uh, It started out as a hobby and now has become something that I do almost... 60, 70% of the time, probably. I have a whole bunch of budding little hackers in my environment who already have domain creds. So it's an, it's, you know, it's an interesting environment to, to fight that back. Because I have you know the usual outside threats, plus I have to worry about 6,000 kids wanting to get around everything, be it past the internet filter or to get to their grades or tomorrow's test from Mrs. Smith. You know, everything's a target inside. I hear that, and I can attest to if anybody wants to keep up on the latest and greatest of what's going on in patch management, you should follow Jim on Twitter because he always has the post whenever the post something blows up. It's, he, he knows it first. <laughs> I'm going to teach everybody today how to be that person. I mean, I'm, it's not hard to keep up with it. I really admire that. So I guess that's a really good intro to start to talk about what is an army of one. Jim, you talked about all the the huge scope of what you've got to do, but yet you, you still stay on top of it. You don't accept anything but the best. So, you know, what does it being an army of one mean to you? You know, for me, I don't think you can be successful at anything unless you have a passion for it. And it's hard to be a blue teamer and 
be passionate about it. You know, it's not a sexy job title. Nobody's going to come into your office and tell you did a great job other than perhaps your very close immediate supervisors or coworkers. The rest of the people are, in many cases, are going to dislike what you do for a living. But you've got to love it. You've got to love the fight. You've got to love the chase. You know, you've got to learn from when you don't win. And, and yeah, you blow your own horn and toot your own horn when you do win. So you have to be passionate about it. And I just love it. And, you know, for those of you that haven't made the connection, I'm, I'm David Kennedy's dad. So, you know, that passion flows through our whole family. And obviously, I have a boatload of free expertise that I can that I can I can nail anytime I want to. But you just have to be willing to dive in with with both feet and just love what you're doing. And as long as you do that, it's a blast. It's a lot of fun and it's very rewarding. And you can sleep at night. You don't have to worry about having your resume done. You don't have to keep your resume on your thumb drive because your network's about to blow up. There's job security in doing a good job. That's a wonderful perspective. Jim Whalen, I know you ha- have a lot of different systems under your purview as well. What does being an Army of One mean to you? And does it ever feel overwhelming sometimes when you have so many different things to keep track of? Well, well yeah, I can. I tried my best uh, not to let it. But unfortunately, there's, you know, there's, there's some sleepless nights. You, know, you got to take care of the customer. The business we have is, is we are the EDI department for our clients. It's imperative that our system is up and flowing at all times, if there's a minute we're down, there we we as long as our as well as our customers are losing money by the minute. So it's very important that our system stay up and running. And I, with me, I wish I, I had the. I, I do problems sleeping at night sometimes, uh, and it's not because it, I'm not I'm not feeling confident about my my network. It's just that. You know, there's just so much. And for me, being an army of one means I handle a whole lot of stuff. And it, and it starts from VMware, like I said before, three parts, backup and DR, security, redundancy. I mean, I've changed the light bulbs here. I've played Santa Claus at Christmas. So, I mean, there's just so much going on. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Brian, you've heard a couple of perspectives on army of one. What, is it, what does it mean to you? Yeah, uh, being a, an army of one to me, uh, what it allows me to do is to get involved in many, many parts of the business. As the sole person who's in charge of our ERP system, our CRM system, uh, I also cover our marketing, so I'm kind of involved in, in the sales side of things outside of the CRM world. It allows me to understand the business in a very, very, very deep sense. And to Jim's point, the, the first Jim, that means really good job security. <laughs> You know, when, when your fingers are in everything, it's you become valuable to the organization in a way that a lot of other employees can't. Uh, not saying they aren't valuable, but it's just a, a different level. That makes good sense. So that in, in one respect, that can be a, a pro and a con. So in your mind, what's one of the biggest downsides? Is it just having to do everything yourself? There's that uh, to a very real extent. Also, I, I, I kind of feel like I think Army of One people really suffer from if it plugs into a wall syndrome. The questions Can that you step I back get and asked that? about. <laughs> what is if it plugs into a wall? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, IT is obviously responsible for everything that plugs into an outlet anywhere in the building. Because, well, it runs on electrons, so that must mean it's IT. <laughs> I literally get asked about the air conditioners. I see one behind now, you in the background my- there. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really nice one. It's a super nice one. It's a Fujitsu. I can tell you that about it. It's a ductless. I can also tell you that. But beyond that, I know nothing about it. Oh, and the thermostat is that way. Visual gags work great on podcasts. So the the thing that's beyond the, the, the plug into wall syndrome, I think it also 
when it's times of peak stress and times of very difficult things, it's very easy for the witch hunt to come find you. And that means for me, at least having to make sure that I'm communicating with, you know, the owners of the firm, like, Hey, yeah, I broke this because I mean, no matter how hard we try, we all make those oops mistakes once in a while for as much as we're supposed to have lab environments. Perfect example was exchange roll, uh, update rollups this weekend. CU12, I went ahead and ran that. And then Jim one might be able to talk about this a little bit, but running that in you, you it's, it's, the, the documentation is very straightforward. Run an NGEN update to compile your .NET so it goes quickly, and then run the run the updater. It failed four times in the process, and I told everybody, okay, this should take about three hours because the previous cumulative update took about that long. Six hours later, we were still trying to get it in there and just rerun and rerun and rerun. So, and this was over a weekend, but, you know, just making sure that I had texted my boss that, Hey, this is what's going down. And I'm, you know, if you could just text every, you know, send a text out to people in the company to, yes, I know. And please don't bother me, you know, not in a bad way, but like I'm working on it. We're aware. Thank you. And just run past block. That's critical. And I, we talked about that in a previous episode too. So yeah, so it sounds like uh, one of the biggest challenges in being an army of one, if I'm hearing you correctly, is the broad responsibility, having to maintain communication and being prepared for the Spanish Inquisition. Yes, which you should always <laughs> suspect and expect. <laughs> what do you What do you think, Jim Whalen? Uh, what do you think is the biggest challenge of being an army of one? Kind of in the same direction as Brian was saying, it's in the IT field itself, there's such a vast amount of knowledge that you need to have. And to be expected to have expertise in every single aspect of, uh, of, of what I do, it's it, it kind of, you know, your boss comes up and he says, why isn't this working? Well, I, I got to tell you, I, I don't know, but I will find the right person to help me get that knowledge. So, I mean, it's, for me, it's just making sure that I can find the right resources that whether it be people, whether it be equipment, whatever it is, and obtaining the knowledge needed to do the job. That's the most difficult thing because there's so much, so much that needs to be known. Jim, do any of these comments, sorry, Jim Kennedy, do any of these comments resonate with you? First, I'd like to back up to the exchange patch. I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming that was 2010? Uh, 2013. Oh, okay. You're all right then. Roll up 12 on 2010 was a disaster. At any rate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, was gonna tell you I think that's a different show, right, guys? I, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the thing for me with, with being, you know, an army of one and a half maybe here is Lucky. you have to be prepared to, to switch gears quickly and to do it without stressing yourself out. You know, you may be knee deep in an exchange patch gone bad and, you know, the CEO needs to get something out or get something done and it's going to take you in a completely different direction. You have to be able to shift those gears quickly and pick up where you left off with your other disaster without losing where you were at. And more importantly, without getting stressed and without freaking out, because that just leads to mistakes and, and, and gray hair. I find that to be the biggest challenge, you know, the interruptions, the changing directions so constantly. One of the things I've done to battle that off is, you know, today's patch Tuesday, tomorrow I'm off limits. I have a little letter on the wall in my office that from my boss that says I can throw anybody, including him, out of my office if I need to until I get through Patch Tuesday. You know, we, we set aside time like that where unless the building's burning down and I'm in charge of the sprinkler system, 
you know, I'm not going to come and help you. You're going to wait until later in the day or until tomorrow. So you got to balance that between being totally available, switching gears, but you also have to block out time to take care of what you need to take care of. One thing I'm hearing is that one of the challenges is being able to task switch and multitask. And and one thing that you really impressed me, inspired me about, Jim, in one of your Derbycon talks is is being able to prioritize and having the the wisdom to know what's really important in a situation. I think there might have been an anecdote you talked about when there's a CEO or principal needed an email, but you know there's a web filter issue so the kids could do their class. And uh, I, I found that very inspiring that in addition to being able to handle the multitasking, you also are able to be grounded and maintain a sense of what's really important. Right. You have to, when when CEO standing in front of you and he needs something, he's the CEO and, and he signs your check and he can send you packing at any given moment. But CEOs are not evil. They're intelligent people. They wouldn't be the CEO if they weren't. They can handle the fact that you can look them in the eye and say, you know, I've got somebody else here that needs some help getting payroll out for the whole org. I will help you with your email issue in a few minutes. You know, he's professionally, politely. They get that. And you know what? At the end of the day, they appreciate it because payroll went out. And you know what? Their email problem got solved anyway 20 minutes later. So you have to be able to prioritize and communicate that in a polite, professional, educational manner to your people. And I really think people skills are, are the big thing. You know, the other Jim mentioned it was a career change for him. And that's true of me in the late 90s. I jumped on the Y2K money and, and this was a career change for me. My previous career was sales. So I've got some of those, I brought some of those people skills you know, forward with me into this business. And it's been invaluable. So if you're an IT person that's having those kinds of troubles with people skill, go take a sales course, go take a Dale Carnegie class or go take a public speaking class. You know, Those are skills just like being able to run a SQL query as a skill. Develop them and then use them to your advantage to make your job better. Works for everybody. So, Jim, I want to ask and, and open this up to the other guys, too, the other Jim and Brian. You, know, you mentioned being able to set up, you know, create an atmosphere where you can say, hey, organization, I need some time to, to work through this, you know, getting through patches. Do you feel like that's because you're one or just a part of a small staff that you, you can use that as leverage to create that kind of environment where you can call something, you know, say, I just need this time to do this? I'm curious if the other guys feel that way, like being, you know, the IT person or or one of a few IT people, do you feel like that gives you some kind of leverage that you could use to sort of help shape a, a culture or a work environment that is beneficial to you or works for you? No, it's, it's not a matter of leverage. It's a matter of educating them what's important, you know, teaching them what has to happen. So Patch Tuesday, they understand that if I don't patch those vulnerabilities on their on their desktop, they understand that tomorrow they might click on something and that vulnerability is going to snag them. So no, I don't, you know, leverage is a. I understand what you mean by leverage. I just I'm not sure I like that choice of words because it sounds passive aggressive in my mind. It's not a, a collaborative effort, and and that's really what I try hard to bring to the table is a collaborative effort with the people. You know, I have people in in departments that barely know how to use their email. But when I throw up the security word at them, they stop and they just look at me and they say, you know what, I, I've had this happen. I trust you, whatever decision you need to make, I know my software will work and I know we'll be safe. Do what you got to do. So you got to make it a collaborative effort. So no, you know, leverage, yes, you're, you're, you're describing it properly, but I, I, I dislike the word, sorry. Mm -hmm. No, that's fine. I, I totally take your meaning. Brian, what do you feel like? Leverage, collaboration, what, what's the environment like for you? It's very much a collaborative environment is that an environment? Is, is that an environment that you had to shape? Is it an environment yes. that existed? Okay. Yes. So, and that's why I, there was a little bit of a hesitation when I was going to answer that. It's recently become that, and I think also 
in that collaborative, I think I, I see Jim Kennedy's problem with the word leverage, but I think boundaries are also super important too. And I think that's really what Jim Kennedy's done a good job at is establishing those boundaries. And I think before I had become successful at saying, okay, in a minute, right? Yes, but not right now. The stress was really high because I felt like every request I had to immediately respond to and I was dropping and going. And like one thing, one thing that still just makes the hair stand on the back of my neck is walking through the building from point A to point B and being the only IT person, people see me and go, oh, hey, can you fix my computer right now? And the, the look on the face when you're like, no, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> uh, <laughs> because at a certain point, like they, they violated a boundary, you know, it, it's no, I can't right now, but I will in the future. And I, I, I you know. Because if I if I lead that with yes, it ha- you know that means I'm going to do it, and I will. But I can't give the yes up front to that. So the 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 no is always fun to give on that. But yeah, it, it's and it, the people who that happens to, with the exception of my supervisors, who are allowed to do that whenever they want because they sign my paycheck. The first time shocking, the second time is less shocking. And if they a lot of times go, oh well, why? And well, I'm working on this and this and this, but you know. If you were to ask me, hey, can you swing back in a little bit and take a look at it? The answer is yes. You know, so I think I think uh, sounding and setting the boundary and being firm with it is important. It's not that we're trying to not help people, but to make sure that we can help all people. I'm interested to ask a follow on question. Do you think that you can manage proactively manage chaos and reactive work by proactively establishing boundaries is that always an effective approach or can it always be effective for example with patch management right if you proactively manage patches you can prevent things reactively breaking would you do you agree that's universal i think in a firm sense like when we're talking about something material like patches you know or something yep electrons are material right but so something material like patches we yes i think I think in a softer sense, though, in the interpersonal side of things, it's something you have to constantly work at. It's not like, uh, and you constantly have to adapt to the situation because as people, people want to get their needs met and it is human nature to find ways around the systems that we, we construct to, you know what I mean? Like, like the reason we need patches is because people are good at figuring out the ways around the last patch. And so I think as far as maintaining your boundaries and your distance and your sanity, you have to constantly adjust your technique to <laughs> figure out ways they've, that, you know, that the users have figured out to exploit the system you set up. And I'm not saying that this is an us versus them thing. This is literally about mental health in the IT world, which is, I think, a, way, a well-underplayed part of IT. So Jim Whalen, let's let's get you in on this. Your culture, collaborative, leveraged, are there boundaries? Well, I'll tell you, I kind of, listening to uh, Brian and Jim, I, I think I have a unique situation here. We, we actually don't have very many end users here. I'm actually one of 13 employees, and probably of that, only half of them actually use the computers to any major extent. Really, who I'm beholden to is our customers. And like they were, like uh, Jim was saying earlier, they're the ones who really pay the paycheck for me. And uh, and unfortunately, I can't really set boundaries with them. I, the nice thing is, is in, internally, our, our my coworkers, no problem. You know, they they know that you know, they're second. Sorry, they're always going to be second. 
But when it comes to customers, the frustrating thing for me is that a lot of, I mean, more often than not, I'm not going to say all the time, but more often than not, there's a problem and it's resist is residing on their end. And I end up spending an hour with them working through their problems on their end. But then again, that's kind of like, that's who I support and that's what I need to need to do. So, and in turn, I would say it, it reinforces the value you add to your customers that you're willing to spend that time with them and help them through their issues. Well, I have to. I mean, it's that's that's we don't have a business, we don't have a job, we don't have customers, and we don't take care of them. And you know, for me, that service is the most important thing. And I and you know, I want I want even though I may not be sleeping like nice at night, I want to make sure they are. I want them to have a warm, fuzzy feeling when they think about Promethean software. So that's my goal, hundred percent of the time. Well, we've talked a lot about some of the challenges of being an army of one. What are some of the upsides? So one of the things that resonated with me earlier when Jim Kennedy was talking about is being able to inspire trust in people, uh, or maybe that was Brian. You know, the the downside when we you know we are responsible for everything, but on the other hand, if we earn people's uh, respect and trust, that can be a positive. What are some of the other upsides? And uh, maybe go back to Jim Kennedy again. It's funny because having to know everything, you know, we talked about how that's a minus. It's also a plus if. You understand all the systems, you know how they interact, you know what's expected of those systems. You know, you're keeping track of the vulnerabilities if you're being security conscious. You're keeping track of the break fixes. When a problem arises, you're not relying on anybody else's information or anybody else's abilities. You've got everything you need in your head or in your notes or, or in your records, and you should be able to take care of things. You know, it, it's so it's it's a it's a double edged sword, you know, a good side and a bad side of that sword. So you can cut through the red tape, but at the same time, it hurts. The satisfaction of being able to be self-reliant and being and ma- making those successes when you fi- fix something. Absolutely, you know, being self-reliant, I think, is probably what drives a lot of us. I mean, I, I listen to who I'm talking to, and I think every one of us would be quite successful in a really large org. I think I see the intelligence and the drive in all of us, but the recognition and the success and and the job satisfaction gets lost in those big environments. You're just another cog on the wheel. Here, you, you're the wheel. You know, you're the whole engine. And that's awesome. It's wonderful. That's wonderful. I couldn't send it about myself. How about you, Brian? What are, what are some of the upsides? I mean, Jim, Jim Kennedy can speak for himself when um, yeah, he says we, we would all fit in in a large organization. I don't know about me doing that. But I enjoy, know that, I enjoy knowing that I'm valued, that, that I'm part of this. I'm the wheel, right? And given that you know, my, my role has me touching all points of the business. I know that that also comes with respect, you know, for as, for as much as people get angry sometimes and, and whatnot at the end of the day, you know, I, I know that there's, you know, respect and value for me as a contributor and me as a person. So again, it's the respect and the value that you receive in response to your hard work and your dedication. Absolutely. That I think, yes, in a larger organization just isn't going to be there. You know, even my husband works in a, like a 30 person software development firm and they've grown from a 10 person firm and he's at the point where he's like, you know, he barely talks to people, you know, they're, they're, they're much more containerized. Siloed. <laughs> yes. Yep. What about you, Jim, Jim Whalen? Do you, do, what is your favorite upsides of being an army of one? About three years ago, we actually moved into this building, and I, I got the pleasure of actually building our data center. So that's just the ability to pick and choose and 
and B, considered the expert on, on what needs and what, what, what needs are not needed. You know, and, and, and I'm, I'd like to expound a little bit on what Brian was saying with the, I guess you could call it corporate versus small business. I enjoy that entire gray area that I work in. When you're in that corporate world, it's black, it's white, and it's tiny, tiny gray. And in this world, it's all gray. And it's and, and I kind of push which way I want the gray to go, black, white, whatever, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that okay. makes a lot of sense. I think that's an important character of being an army of one, is having the tenacity and the vision and the will to drive drive your team through the through the gray into the right path. Okay, so we talked a little bit about culture and about pros and cons. Uh, let's get to some more brass tacks. Given that uh, you folks have to do everything yourselves, are there tools or tips that have helped you keep your head above water? Uh, and maybe we'll start with Jim Kennedy again. Yeah, for me, because I'm maintaining the back end of all these systems, you know, patch management, break-fix management has been really important. So if you look at up above, hopefully those links will be somewhere. There's two links there to some mailing lists that I stay on. You know, patchmanagement.org is just essential if you're patching a lot of Windows boxes and a lot of Cisco stuff. It's, you know, it's a collaborative effort. We all trade our horror stories and, and what kind of trouble we're having as we, as we roll out our testing base. It's a mini version of what people see from me on Twitter. It's a major version or a broad version of what people see from me on Twitter. And then automated patching systems for updates, you know, relying on Java or Flash to update itself just isn't going to fly. It's not going to work. You don't have any repeatability. You don't have any reporting that it happened. So something like, you know, Ninite or PDQ Deploy is what I'm using currently. Wonderful piece of software to automate all that stuff. And then the second one are the My IT Forums. Again, big list serves where we discuss not patching, but break fix on servers and desktops and, and major issues like that. You know, we, we, we joked earlier about the exchange cumulative rollup. I got bit by that one really hard. You know, it was on a weekend, just like it was for Brian. You know, I had Microsoft Exchange MVPs at my disposal via email all weekend long to get me through the mess I was in. Having that was invaluable. You know, we're a Monday through Friday org, so a weekend email being gone is, was not a big deal. But had it not been here Monday morning, it would have been a big deal. And that kind of stuff. So reaching out to other people and keeping contact with other people and collaborating with them, yes, it takes time to read those emails. It takes time to help other people and respond. But the time you save when you need help or you have a question, you're paid back in spades. It's well worth the effort. A little bit of IT karma there. Exactly. All right, Brian, how about you? Tips, tools? Yeah, breathe. <laughs> uh, Deep breath. It, it's yeah. It, it's important to have uh, stress management. You know, to to survive in this world as uh, an army of one, uh, the stress is yours, and no matter how much you try to think that it's not your problem, it is. So, having an outlet that's healthy and productive is good. Makes you a person people want to be around as opposed to that person who comes over and tells people to move. So I, I, I think, yeah, like for me, it's running. I'm a marathon runner. You know, I have a lot of IT stress to run from 26.2 miles at a time. But, you know, for others, you know, you just got to find a thing that that lets you escape. And then when you're in the middle of the day and the stuff's piling up, this is where boundaries become important. You know, having a sign on your door, you know, like a do not disturb. You know, and have, you know, get it from your boss that, you know, this is okay to have, 
you know, don't demand it, ask for it. It's amazing what, if you ask for, people will provide you. But establishing that space is critical. When you need to focus, you need to be able to focus. And another small thing in that same space, every user's problem is equally important to that user. You know, they don't care about any of anybody else's problems. The fact that, and, and I work in an environment where our average salesperson is 50 years old. So that means I got some 70 year olds out there. And when their FaceTime isn't working and they're, they can't see their grandkids, I kid you not, I get these questions. It's always right when, you know, I'm trying to fix something that's pretty important and having to stop and say, listen, here's what's going on. I will get to you. Just sit tight. You know, your grandkids aren't going anywhere. Not trying to minimize their problems, but contextualize their problems. Right. So a good way to put it. Part yeah. of the tool set is to have appreciation and understanding that for what, what is the importance of the problem to the individual that's reporting it. Exactly. And then helping them to understand to, to, to get them to have a touch of empathy as well. Right. We can't, you can't beat empathy in with a hammer, but you can expose what's going on to you and be a little bit vulnerable in that conversation, which helps people understand. I mean, if you're just like, no, I don't got time for this. You know, the world's blowing up. People don't understand that. And you can use that card once. What? You mean they don't understand every time when you're busy? (laughs) (laughs) All the time, all the time. I mean, like right now, I'm on a podcast. I mean, this is very important stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we we sure appreciate that if you feel that way. Jim, uh, Jim Whalen, what do you think? Are there any tools that that help you that that make a difference in your job? Yeah, I I definitely reiterate about the stress because for me, really controlling my stress is number one. Not only because it helps me in my job, but also it helps me hopefully live a lot longer. Really, though, my tip is, is... Knowledge is king. The more you know, the less stress you're going to have. The, no, the more you know how to react in a situation, the better you're going to feel about yourself and the better you're going to feel about how things are going. So for me, I would say, not to be cliche, but network, network, network. Get to know people. Get to know people who know things that you don't know. Things, or, and then get to know these people that can, can teach you things that you don't know. That's been my mantra since I started in this business 12 years ago. So if I could give any tip, that would be it. You know, resources, uh, there should be an endless supply of those for you. That sounds great. If you guys are interested, I'm kind of interested to close on a positive thought experiment. Drew, do you, do you want to go ahead with uh, closing thoughts at this point? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. So just as a thought experiment, if we had an unlimited budget and unlimited resources, what changes would you make? We'll start back with, with uh, Jim Whalen again, if you, not to put you on the spot, sure. but you haven't been talking uh, about That's okay. That's all right. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I would probably have a staff of five right now. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, there's so much that, that I would like to do. There's so many projects that need to be, you know, spearheaded. And, and I am doing those, and, and I'm doing those in a fashion that I think are best for the company. But, they're, you know, it would be nice to have multiple people working on multiple things at one time. So it would definitely be the resource of uh, more employees, more coworkers. How about you, Jim Kennedy? I think I would spend my money on two things. One, much faster hardware refreshes at the desktop level, at the user level. You know, that can be an exceedingly frustrating experience for them when they're working with old hardware, hardware that hasn't been refreshed often enough. And I absolutely would hire a whole bunch of more desktop technicians. So there's always one right around the corner that isn't doing anything. So they can get instantaneous response. You know, we're in the business of educating children. Everybody's in the business of doing something. If a, if a desktop isn't working, a child's not learning. 
You know, if a, a assembly line isn't running, the widgets aren't being made. So having the people available to give near instantaneous response would be wonderful. All right. And Brian, do you want to finish us off here with the, what you would do with an unlimited budget? I was thinking about that. And, you know, for me, actually, it's, it's hiring somebody to, to help out with the other parts of my job. We're a firm of 40, so handling what we do, what I do, I can handle just fine. But, but to help out with the marketing side of stuff, you know, to, in smaller firms, you generally wear many hats and being able to focus in on the stuff that I'm really good at would be nice. I mean, not to say that I don't enjoy doing the, the marketing stuff and that I, I'm not good at graphic design or anything. I mean, I'm not great, but, you know, somebody who would be better at the stuff that I'm not as good at that at this sense. time. Yeah, it's interesting that we have a common thread in that we would like to be able to strengthen our numbers to provide, to, to do more, you know, because we're passionate about what we're trying to do. We're dedicated and we do everything we can, but we always think about what else can we do. And that's that's part of the valor of being an army of one, I think. Well said. So uh, I really appreciate everybody's time today. I think we're going to go ahead and read out the show close, if that's okay with you guys. Sure. It was a blast. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Good, time. Good insight, guys. Yeah, thank you, gentlemen. Well, thanks for joining us on The Next Level. I'm Damien Hoising. You can contact me at damien at packetbrigade.com. I blog on packet pushers. And I'm Drew Conry-Murray. You can find my blogs on packetpushers.net and follow me on Twitter at Drew underscore CM. And Brian, if folks want to hear more from you, how can they get in touch with you? And is there a book or social media you'd like to plug? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at HeronB83. And I'm also on Facebook. As far as things I'd like to plug, I always plug my podcast, which I do in the beginning, and I'm going to do right now. I'm the host of Literally Figuratively Speaking, that's a liberal politics show, and also the CLE cast, which is about good people doing gooder things in the goodest city, which is Cleveland. Jim Whalen, how can folks get in touch with you, and would you like to share a book or plug your business at all? You can get a hold of me. Uh, I just, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I, I don't do much other than that, and that's about it. Just search me on LinkedIn and connect. All right. And Jim Kennedy, how can folks get in touch with you? I think Twitter is probably the fastest, easiest way. Tonic, T-O-N-I-K-J-D-K, my initials. I got very active. They were reasonably active and I certainly respond to DMs and messages right away. Nothing to promote. I'm just my own little guy. <laughs> All right. Right on. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. For our listeners, we'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can leave comments on the blog post that accompanies this podcast on packetpusher.net and we'll also have links to everything that everybody mentioned in the show you can also drop us a line at nextlevel at packetbrigade.com and thanks for listening